Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God has not provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. Uh, We choose to rejoice in it uh, because we love the Lord and uh, we want to serve him with all our hearts. Update on Northrise. Our deep appreciation to you as Grace Fellowship Church for your prayers, for your support, some of you for visiting us, some of you for writing us. You know, we have a women's group in, here at church. They write us. And it's good to know 
that you have friends out there who are praying for you. Indeed, you are praying for us. Northrise is going on strong uh, because of your prayers, your support. We have just crossed 1,000 students as of this semester. God is good, and out of all these graduates, we have graduated more than 450. Two of them are members of parliament. And out of those two, one of them, as of three weeks ago, he became the cabinet minister, the minister of youth and sport. To God be the glory that Northrise in 15 years has produced a cabinet minister. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have graduates who are running community schools, who are planting churches, uh, who are in the corporate Zambia, and everyone is doing well. We salute you for working with us. Our goal is to have 2,000 students, 1,000 during the day, a thousand in the evening and distance learning. We have a new partner university on board, Grand Canyon University. Last year we met the president of Grand Canyon, lovely man, in November. As we ended with prayer with him, he looked at us and said, I want to sponsor two of your member of staff to do their PhD, they will pay nothing. And another one to do a master's in information technology management. To God be the glory. And our old partner, Bella University, says, no, 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 even us. We are picking one of your graduates. They are doing now, they came in August there at Bella University. They are doing a master's in social work. Fully sponsored. To God be the glory. We are hoping to launch the School of Social Work in the coming year you know, 2020. But our goal is to launch these two programs, which we believe when we launch those programs, it will tie in what Northrise is all about. That's the school of agriculture. Because we need farmers. We need food. And the school of engineering to solve problems. So we, have, we are training now lawyers for Jesus. We are training nurses for Jesus. We'll be training social workers for Jesus, accountants for Jesus, pastors for Jesus, believe, believe it or not. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll add these two programs. We are praying that God in his own love and grace, he will provide for us. Hopefully next month we'll be breaking ground for a Student dormitory, 420 students. We have so many students who want to come to Northrise. We only have one student dormitory for 80 students. But God is good. And we'll be breaking ground for the nursing building, you know, in 2020, so that we can have the science labs, the simulation lab. We can train nurses well. For all that, we thank God and we thank you as Grace Fellowship Church. You have worked with us and we have seen it. We can testify. This is home for us. Let us pray.
Father, we thank you. We give you glory for your loving kindness. We thank you for your word, which was read this morning. Pray that, God, may you meet us at the point of our needs. Encourage us to be faithful servants. Encourage us to run this race with faith, with endurance. We thank you. Go before us. Open our spiritual ears that we may hear what you have for us. We pray and ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Indeed, this has been a journey of faith for us as we look back celebrating 15 years of Northrise. And not only that, celebrating more years of what God has given us. But above all, celebrating that God has kept us. He has kept us because this is the faith we need. Northrise will pass away. Grace Fellowship Church will pass away. But what will abide is the love of God and the faith we have. So as we speak this morning about the journey of faith, I want us to be reminded of the story which we have just read. I want to go to chapter 11. I'll dwell on verses 1 and 2. Because verses 1 and 2 depends on chapter 11. Chapter 11 depends on chapter 10. Chapter 10, chapter 9. And before you know it, it's chapter 1. It's a whole book of Hebrews. Someone says, life is a journey filled with lessons, hardships, heartaches, joys, celebration, and special moments that will ultimately lead us to our destination our purpose in life. The road will not always be smooth. In fact, throughout our travels, we will encounter many challenges. Some of these challenges will test our courage, strength, weaknesses, and faith along the way. We may stumble upon obstacles that will come between the paths that we are destined to take. End of quote. Whether we have not taken time to think about this journey, by default, we are on a journey of faith. As Christians, we want to finish strong in life. We want to finish strong in life. We are running the race of faith. This race has to be run with endurance. Christianity is not the way we see it. Sometimes in Zambia we have a lot of nominal Christians. Christians who exist in words on. But we need Christians who truly are followers of Jesus. In today's passage, we are encouraged to run a race set before us. And by the way, this journey has been set before us. Before we were born, he had set this run, this race for us. The word in the original language that's translated rest is agon. Agon. <coughs> Which you may recognize in our English word as agon. It's a word that suggests intense pain of mind or body. This term agony is used for any difficult physical struggle and then for the pain that went with it physical or mental. 
Our English word agon, meaning intense pain of mind and body, thus comes from a word that meant a happy celebration. So it's the, it's the pain which we endure, but there's celebration at the end. In other words, it's like going to the gym. You are dreading to go to the gym. You are dreading to do, you know, to bike. But you sweat. You know, there is mental anguish and you are training. One hour you come out, you are sweating. And then you have your shower. And guess what? How you feel? Celebration. So this is the word, you know, picture the book of Hebrews is putting across us that there is pain in this journey of faith for us. But I want you to know the end is celebration. The end is celebration. Now the word of God doesn't deceive us. It lets us know that when we have begun a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, we have entered into a marathon or a journey of faith. And we should take note that the writer of the book of Hebrews doesn't say, the writer assumes that if you are in Christ now, right now, you are already in this great journey of faith. Therefore, the writer tells us, let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, you run like a giraffe, which is not being chased by a lion. Because when you see a giraffe which is being chased by a lion, it sprints. That animal can run. (laughs) But remove the lion. That's the way we need to run. It runs majestically. It's a marathon. You are going. We run like a giraffe which is not being chased by a lion. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul wrote, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, Paul says. I do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. We do that in our everyday life. We make sure that our finances are tight. When I reach 90, I'll have it. You run your race financially very tight. You plan, you look at the, you know, the stock market, what's going on. And yet we fail to look at our race, the most important race, with Jesus. He wrote more about the attitude he had towards this race in Philippians 3. He says, but, whoever, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And there's a line there which I like, uh, so that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. He lived so that he may know Jesus. I want to know him more and more. There's no time to play for me. There's only time to run the race. 
If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, there is no option about it. You are on a journey of faith. It is the most important journey anyone can, can be in because the goal is to seize hold of that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself on the cross to make us to be. And the prize is the greatest prize anyone can win because it's to hear him say, good and faithful servant, I gave you this much. You multiplied. For someone else, it might be that they are in their older years and feel that their running days are over. You know, they, want, they don't want to commit. They say, this is for the younger ones. I've done this. Why should I run now? I have served the Lord for many years now. They may say, <clears throat> my best years are behind me. This old board of mine doesn't have the energy it used to have anymore. It's time for the younger people to run the race. This is not a business where you pass on to the younger generation and say, now I'll sit back. No. You need to go to the finish line. But such retiring Christians forget that starting off strong isn't the crucial thing in an endurance race. What's crucial is the finish. Older believers are at the most crucial and exciting stage that anyone can be with respect to the Lord's marathon run. Because, to put it quite frankly, they are closer to the finish line than the rest of the younger generation. And yet, at the worst time in the race, many decide to stop running, pull up a recliner along the side of the track, and watch the younger runners go by. They never even seem to realize that this isn't a race like any other. Because even if you are in a hospital bed, you are still running in it. And I believe God would want such retired Christians to know that the race is far from over for them. That they need to stir up their passion for the work of the Lord. Stay on the race track to the very end. And to run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I believe this word is even more for those professing, professing Christ, Christians who are on the opposite end of the timeline. They are young. And because they think they have God all the time in the world, they can put off an, an earnest run until later. I'm a Christian, they say. I have prayed the prayer and all that. But when it comes to doing Anything more than that, I want to live my life first. I need to make money. I need to make sure that I secure my future. I want to do what I want to do for a while. I don't want to commit. You know, I hear home groups here, small groups here, women's ministry, missions. No, 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 I cannot commit now because... My kids are like 10, 12, 15. This is the most important time for my family. So I will never commit. I'm young. You know what it means to take care of your family. 
But many such Christians don't realize what's like to come to the rest late in life. After having a lot of wasted years to regret and a bunch of bad life priorities to repent of, they think that serious devotion to Jesus is for other people. Never realizing that some of the greatest and boldest heroes of the faith were at the prime of life when God used them. And I believe God would want such delaying Christians to hear this passage's exhortation, to quit wasting time, get committed as early as possible, run with endurance, the rest that is set before us. The reason being that you do not know when you end, your end will come. You don't know when you fly away, as we sang this morning. You might have it in your head, I'll fly away when I am 100. You have no idea. God has prepared the number of days. There's no way you can extend them, by the way. You will never extend them by your retirement fund. You never extend them by your physical exercise. You never retain them by where you live. There are a number of days they are fixed for you. You die. You and me, we don't know. No wonder we need to run the race with endurance. Three motivations for us as we look at this passage of scripture. The first one is that look at the great cloud of witnesses. I love the book of Hebrews. I go through it as soon as I finish it. I go, oh, I didn't learn anything. I go back to chapter one. And someone is saying, no, 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 there's the, the gospel of John. There is, you know, I go back to chapter one. Look at the, cl- the great cloud of witnesses. The writer says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that's our first focus point, witnesses from the Greek word martyr, someone who died for the cause of Christ. Who are these witnesses? The word at the beginning of the verse gives us the clue. It is translated as the word therefore. This particular word in the original language is a strong one. It means for us to see what the writer now is saying in the illuminating spotlight of what he has just been said. It is as if the writer of Hebrews is saying, and now, brothers and sisters, do you understand the implications of what I've just told you? Do you see what it means for your life? Tell them about Abraham, Enoch, David, Samson. All these people fought. It's war to run the race. We would hear, we could hear a whole sermon series on all these great heroes. The repeated testimony of their run is that it was what? By faith. By faith. By faith alone. They themselves have run the race all the way to the end and experienced victory. They are all in the stands cheering us on. And now in our passage this morning, the writer connects their experience to our own and says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
we need to run. And by the way, there are so many, you know, witnesses which have been added since this was written. We think of Martin Luther. You know, you think of John, you know, Polycarp Bishop. All these people, they did run their race. Some of them, they died, bent to ashes. And yet they trusted the Lord. These great saints had their eyes fixed on God. They sacrificed their lives. They endured and they experienced victory in Christ in the end. So when we look at this great cloud of witnesses, it should be an encouragement for us that the race we are running is not in vain. It's not in vain. I mean, we belong to a church. It's not a club. But, you know, I need to find someone there. You know, that's, you know, I'm lonely out there. No, God brings us so that we can run the race together. The second motivation is that he says, look for what may hinder our run. There are some things which hinder our run. Many things. He says, let us lay aside every wet, ah, uh, I mean, wet, you know, things which pile up. You want to remove those things. In my language, we say katundu. You remove the katundu, the wets. We lay them aside. And the sin which so easily ensnares us, there is sin which is always there. And, you know, a psychologist might say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is your makeup. You know, you... Your makeup is that, you know, after one week you, you are depressed, you resent, you do all these other things. In, in fact, that's the way you are made. Wrong. Because we are encouraged that we can lay it aside. One preacher told the story that not long ago, about two men who were hiking in the wilderness, one of them was an experienced hiker, but the other was an experienced jogger. They were both outfitted with the, their backpacks and their hiking boots. Except that the jogger also had a pair of good running shoes in his pack. As they hiked along, they were confronted by a grizzly bear. And sure enough, this bear began to charge the two men. As soon as the jogger saw the bear coming, he dropped his pack got out his running shoes and began to carefully lace them on. The other man said, are you, are you out of your mind? What are you doing? It doesn't matter how good a runner you are, you, you still can't outrun a grizzly bear. And the jogger, as he calmly tied his shoes, said, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. So if all we were doing was hiking along in the Christian life, it would be one thing. But we are on a journey of faith. This is not just fun. And no runner who runs this race carries a backpack with him or wears hiking boots on his feet. A serious runner 
who is committed to win will strip himself of every unnecessary burden and any loose clothing and will make sure that nothing entangles or hinders the action of his feet. They will be so tuned to the word of God. They will be hearing what God is saying. Jesus said, you know, my sheep hears my voice. They hear my voice. And so the writer of Hebrews urges us to lay aside every wet katundu. We are to get rid of those things of this world that weigh us down and burden us. Or prevent us from running a race of faithful in a committed way. Perhaps a good test is to ask, when you hear the Lord says, Whatever, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That was our master. Deny his cross and follow him. What are the words that hinder you from running the race of faith? And that must be laid aside. There are different words which we have. Others have words of watching TV eight hours a day. Others have words, you know, they play golf all the time. Small group, out of the window. Others have words to pump up themselves. It's me and my family only. Words, words, katundu. And Jesus is saying, you want to follow me? You want to lay aside every word? Lay aside those. The writer also urges us to lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. I could try to tell you what that sin is, but it would be different for me than it would be for you. Our enemy, the devil, knows exactly which thing is most suited to trip up each individual believer. For one of us, it may be lust, pornography. For another, it may be greed. You can't wait for another dollar. One more dollar. For yet another, it may be resentment. For another, still, it may be pride. <clears throat> Look at who I am. I've just made money. I have a mind. I know what to do. I just do it like this. Money comes. No. God is the one who gives. God gave the Persian Empire at one time. Their time went. He gave the Greek Empire at one time. Their time ended. He gave the Roman Empire at one time. The time ended. He gave the British Empire at one time. I mean, we were colonized by Britain. We couldn't cough. They are our masters. And today we have America as an empire. You are leaders of the world. But it's God who gives. He goes who gives you leadership. So we are not only to look at the great cloud of witnesses that has run before us, but we are also to look to be sure that nothing hinders our, our own run in the race. Run like a giraffe, which is not being chased by a lion. The third motivation 
Look to the one for whom we run. We are taught to run with endurance the rest that is set before us, looking to Jesus. This is the most important thing we can do in this, our rest. The right of Hebrews urges us to look to Jesus because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Who would argue? Depending of, on our theological bent. But I'll stick to what he's saying. He's the author. The author is what? He birthed it. He gave you. And he perfected. The rest of faith we run is all about him. He began this great race of faith for us. He inspires us in his, in, in his run the way he did it. And he himself is the prize we win. It all starts with him. And it also ends in him. Everything we do is to the glory of Jesus. May we decrease and our God increase. May he be the one who is on our mouth all the time, King Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who has saved us. So the author is encouraging us to look to him, the author and finisher of our faith. If we run and win the rest of faith, the glory doesn't go to us. We don't go, mm-hmm, I did it. No, he did it. He did it. It all goes to him who enabled us to run by his grace. He has already run the race on our behalf. And we simply run, Paul said, to lay hold of that for which Christ also has also laid hold on us. We are also told that he himself is our fellow sufferer in the race. We are told that there was a joy that was set before him. And because of that joy, Jesus was willing to leave the glories of heaven to come down to our level, from his level to our level. And you know, this time when you watch the universe and then you see the earth just mark on a small dot and there's massive and he holds he hold all this together. By his word. And he left his glory. To come for us. To save us. We should run. We should run. The joy that was set before him. Is a joy that involves us. Because it was the work of our salvation. Delivering us. Out of our sin. And bringing us into the full share. Of his inheritance. Forever. That moved him to go to the cross. And what's more, it was the joy of the glory of his Father that would result from our salvation. And so we should keep our eyes on him because he knows what it means to endure this marathon of faith for the joy that comes at the end. We should run. There was a time in the apostle's life, you know, Paul's life, when he said he was, he was finished running the race. It was when he was in prison, just shortly before executed for his faith in the Lord Jesus. Just before he laid down his life for the Lord, Paul also was able to say, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. 
and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the rest. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward me to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amazing. Paul, before he died, he knew exactly that his time has come. Three years ago, you know, we lost my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law was devout, Christian. And when her time came, this is amazing, she prepared the house. She cleaned the house. She washed washed all her clothes. She folded them, ironed them, folded them, and told our, our niece and said, this is for this one, this one is for this one, this is for this one. We used to buy her clothes, but we always saw her as if she doesn't have clothes. But she was giving us a legacy, and that legacy of generosity. It has left us. It's on us. And when she was about to go, we are saying goodbye, we are coming here, and she looked at us and said, travel well, continue doing what you are doing. You might find me, you might not find me. For sure, one week we are here, she went to be with the Lord. She called our, our, uh, you know, our niece and sat her down and said, today I'm going. <laughs> and, uh, you know, our niece was going, oh, w- what's going on, grandma? She goes, no, no, today I'm going. After one hour, she just went down on the mat, just slept. That's how she went. He is preparing. We need to prepare. We need to run a race. We don't want to be in hospital with all those tubes <laughs> and going, oh my goodness, my time is up. Oh, by the way, I didn't know what to do because I stole that man. I put it in Swiss bank, but I've never told anyone else. <laughs> and the other thing is that I have children in Italy. I have no idea what happened. I can't tell my wife now. And you have all these things which you have packaged in your life. That's not the way to finish. You want to finish well. The word of God is in your heart. You are rich in his service. To a place where when you are going, you are saying, my time is up. I've done what I was supposed to do. When we reach the finish line, nothing of this earth will be as dear to us as knowing that we had run the race God set before us with such endurance that we can say those words at the end. When we die, only Jesus will receive us. The rest of us will remember you a little bit and then we forget. You leave an inheritance for your children, houses and mansions and all these other things. They'll go, oh, our parents were very good. Sell, sell, sell. (laughs) 
Oh, we need our own life. The only legacy you are going to leave for your children is your faith. Because if your children will be able to say, I know what my father would have done or my mother in this situation. Our father had faith. He trusted in Jesus. That's the one we want to trust in. If we make it our habit of life now to regularly look to the great cloud of witnesses who cheers us on, get rid of those things that may hinder us, and to keep our eyes fixed on one who has called us to himself, who will run with endurance the rest that is set before us. Northrise University, God is just using us, using it as a vessel to bring his children for his sake. And at the end, may we be able to say, as Paul did, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Truly, we are on a journey of faith. We need to enjoy our journey. It comes with pain. You can't eliminate that. It comes with obstacles. You cannot eliminate those. They are part of who we are. But let's trust him, the author and finisher of our faith. He is here to help us. In case you, are, you had your own plans, in case you didn't put those plans in the hands of the Lord, I pray that you do it. Because we do it in our spending, we have to ask the Lord. In our buying of houses, we have to ask the Lord. Whatever we do, because it belongs to him, he has just lent it to us. You leave them, by the way. You go. And where you go is far better. You know, when I look at Orange County, Orange County rocks. <laughs> I mean, you go to the beach. You know, we're in Midland. Houston, and then we come to Orange County, I go, oh my goodness, this place. <laughs> but did you know that you leave it? You go. You fly away one day. This is God just helping you so that you can focus on him. You are on the beach, you are witnessing for Jesus. It's not time for leisure. It's not time to spend on yourself. It's time to look at others. Other-oriented, that's our ministry. And no wonder when we say home groups, small groups, all these groups we have is to come together so that we are fired up to go out into our community and to serve. May the Lord be with us. May he continue to help us to run this race with faith. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We give you glory for your loving kindness. We thank you, Lord, for the way you lead us, the way you have given us such great faith. And now, Lord, you are giving us an example of what it means to run this race by looking at these men and women in Hebrews chapter 11 and more others who have come after them. Lord, may we, may we take this business of Christianity seriously, uh, that God will run this race 
with faith and endurance. Cause us to run. Cause us to love you. Cause us to love your word of God. May it become the number one source of our encouragement in our lives. We thank you. We give you glory. We pray and ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.